you know, if, if all we do is talk about how we're different, we can never make any headway, right? So, you know what? I get it. We're different in so many respects. And, and sometimes the ways we're different really kind of makes it fun, makes it interesting. <laughs> Other times, perhaps uh, it's, it's, it's hard to create alignment. But our job, you know, because uh, you know, our job typically, though, is to say, look, Without getting lost in the details of the differences, there, there are certain elements of commonality. There are certain elements of alignment. Whoever you're talking to, they tend to want to see their, their society, their community be able to get better over time. Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sophion Chief Evangelist. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm glad you could join us again. Hope you're all having a good entry into spring from wherever you are in the world. Today, I had the pleasure of speaking with Bill Bean. I've known Bill for a little while now. Bill is with the Parker Hannifin Company, and that is a remarkable company. They, we've had the just good fortune of having them as a company we do business with for, for many years. But uh, I was just reviewing some of their shareholder presentation, and all of their financial numbers are just going very well. They've been very successful at uh, innovation and driving that business forward. And so we're really fortunate that Bill could step away from his uh, busy schedule and join us. And, um, you know, Bill has a, has a great career. He was with the uh, U.S. Army, originally did a lot of operations research and systems analysis. And then at one point, he spent time in Silicon Valley uh, working in the semiconductor industry. And then uh, came to Parker, and uh, he's now responsible for the technology center and the innovation systems inside the company. I'll let Bill explain a little bit more what that means, but uh, Bill, welcome to the show. Thanks, Paul. It's always great to have a chance to talk to you. Yeah. And where are you joining us from, Bill? We're here in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Actually, the center you mentioned, our tech center, is in Macedonia, so just a little bit southeast of uh, Cleveland proper. Yeah. Things going okay there and in that region of the world? Is it is it spring? Is it summer? You're still stuck in winter? <laughs> <laughs> I think we've had uh, at least two out of the three in the last week, but uh, <laughs> spring seems to be emerging. Yeah. Summer just around the corner. Green, uh, definitely things are getting green. Uh, so yeah, we're pretty happy with the, with the trend. So yeah. all good so far. Yeah. Well, if people aren't familiar with Parker Hannifin, maybe you could just do a quick introduction on uh, on the company and what you do there. So, as you mentioned, uh, Parker's uh, it's a great company. You know, we've been in business for over a hundred years now. We basically see ourselves as a motion and control company. Uh, so, uh, a lot of technologies that have to do with moving things and controlling said movement of things, a, a very strong aerospace presence, but also a very strong industrial base as well. So products varying uh, the whole gamut of things from uh, fluid conveyance to filtration to hydraulics, electromechanical, pneumatic, to instrumentation and even some engineered materials, material science solutions for shielding and sealing. Uh, so just a great spectrum of capabilities and technologies that we can help our customers with. 
Is there a count of how many products you have? It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. the number varies. Uh, it, it's a considerable amount. Uh, we're a global company, you know, so, you know, in terms of the number of applications and the regions, yeah, it's, it's a very high number and the yeah. product lines, as you allude to. Yeah, I think I saw it written. If it moves, probably somehow your technology is either in there or very close to it. So. Yeah, and typically in the course of your average day, you're, you're seldom more than a few feet away from a Parker product, whether you realize it or not, just because of you know how we're embedded into things. Yeah. Tell us about how you got involved in innovation, either before Parker or with Parker. Just share your, your journey there a little bit. So I guess in a way it, it kind of started with the military. I mean, the uh, the objective of the military is is typically to be you know increasingly effective, and, and you're never going to have all the resources you wish you had. But the nature of the challenge, the nature of the the responsibilities, always changes. So you're always trying to do the best you can and create a, a higher level of effectiveness with a given amount of resource and, and so on. So that, that teaches you to kind of be creative and to be very critical of uh, what you're willing to try, be very uh, risk sensitive, if you will. And then once I left the, the army, as you pointed out, I was I happened to be in California at the time and uh, in looking around and seeing what possibilities ended up in what was called product marketing at uh, <laughs> a company called IDT. And that was basically like an entry level, yeah, we're not sure who you are, so why don't you come in, we'll get to know you kind of uh, yeah. role, I believe. But over time, again, that notion of we have a certain type of product, a certain type of technology, but trying to lead with technology or push this technology seems to have you know, limited effectiveness. So we as a company went through a pretty serious transition of, you know, we got to get better aligned to what our customers are doing and a better uh, line of sight to what their challenges and issues are. And that was a role that I, I just felt good to me, uh, you know, coming out of the military, scouting for intelligence. I just got to wear nicer clothes and kind of do the same <laughs> sort of thing, right? <laughs> So that was a that was just a, a fun, exciting yeah, uh, way to kind of you know find the things that matter and apply our uh, energy and resources to those. And then one thing led to another, and Parker became aware of me, and made the introductions and gave me a chance to take on a very similar set of challenges, but again with a, a much larger company, a much broader spectrum of activity. So it's just been a, a, a pleasure to, to kind of have the opportunity to do this. Yeah. You mentioned, as we're talking, technology-driven and market-driven, and and it sounds like you've, you've now several times been able to kind of see both sides of that, haven't you? Just kind of shifting from, from one to the other. What are some of the problems with being a, if you're a technology-oriented company? Is there, when you think about innovation, what are some of the challenges? I do think there are there there can be challenges for sure because uh, you know you, you tend to want to lead from where you're comfortable and, and since you know your technology inside out you tend to want to and, and perhaps you're excited about your technology uh, to to you know and passionate about your technology uh, and that's good you know that that's that's a wonderful aspect or attribute to have um, but the ability to convey that to your customer in a way that gets them excited, gets them engaged. Typically, it's, it's hard to answer the question, you know, what's in it for me from their perspective, unless you've actually got more of that line of sight to, well, wait a minute, what are you struggling with? What are you challenged by? What measures are you falling short on? How, how are you not making enough money or saving enough money? 
And then if you can connect your deep technology ability to their clear and compelling want or need, now there's magic. Otherwise, you know, you've got a technology that's in search of a problem. You know, if you flip it around to where the problem creates the pull for the technology and you bring only what's relevant at a cost that makes sense, we just find that, that, that that's a much better uh, equation to be working in. So that, that, that's been kind of our drive. Yeah. Are, are these B2B, business-to-business type of customers, or is it business-to-consumer? For our case in particular, yes, we, we yeah. are heavily B2B. You know, and again, our, our customers are, are storied industrial names that, that likewise have been around for decades, kind of you know, icons in their industry. So, yeah, very much a, a, a deep partnership to uh, support their evolution, you know, as the world continues to look towards cleaner and greener solutions to take care of the, you know, the needs of humanity as, as we continue to evolve as a race and as species, that B2B activity and engagement uh, is, is kind of the, the driving force for us. Yeah. Do you, do you, when you think about that word innovation, Bill, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of definitions to it, a lot of different I, I stopped asking people, what do you, what does innovation mean to you? Because I usually get the, oh, right. Yeah, but, right, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. But, but when you think about the type of innovation that you're talking about, maybe you could just say a few words on what that is. Is it coming up with ideas or is it starting from something you think you know about and you want to test it? Or is it, no, begin with the market first? I mean, how do you, how do you put those pieces together? As you know, these things, uh, you know, you want to be able to talk big picture. You've got to be able to translate down into, you know, very careful detail. Uh, in the end, you're, you want to come up with the right combination of you know, process and tools and teams uh, all, all working together to get this done. But when it comes to big picture conversation around innovation, the way we typically start our training sessions with our product development teams or solution development teams is, hey, probably the simplest concept we've seen comes from uh, Bill Allett at uh, MIT, who does a course uh, called uh, Disciplined Entrepreneurship. And he said, you know, it helps to think of it as a formula. Innovation is the product of invention multiplied by commercialization. And as good as we are at invention and as capable as our technology may make us, if you multiply that by little to no commercialization, you still don't have anything worth talking about. So that notion of what's going on for the customer, so it really does then say, yeah, you gotta, you gotta come from the market and whatever ideas you think you may have had better be tied to an improvement for a situation that's out there in the market or you're, you're back to that, man, I'm trying to do everything on the back of technology and it's just, it's not as an effective an approach. It, you know, it certainly takes a balance. The technology's got to evolve to be capable of addressing the problems. But if it gets out ahead of the problems in some cases, then you'll struggle to, to make the commercialization real. So you're, you're trying to tune that balance of uh, you know, skating to where the puck's going to be <laughs> in terms of the uh, ever-changing nature of challenge. But, but you know, how, how are you going to know? You're only going to know by, you know, kind of seeing the world through the eyes of your customer. So that, that's kind of our emphasis is innovation kind of has to start with a focus on the customer. Yeah. Uh, Sophia just did a webinar last week 
And uh, we were working with, with Dan Adams from the AIM Institute, who you know very well. And uh, we did just a brief mention that, uh, you know, you had been, you know, Parker had been successful at, very successful at, at, at doing voice of customer and bringing it back into the innovation process. How do you see that working? So from our perspective, yeah, the, the whole, so I guess I'll, I'll point out, you know, we, like many companies, kind of start, had a, a conventional stage gate methodology, as you know, because your company helped us implement it and they've supported it for these yeah. years together. And, um, you know, we liked a lot of things about our stage gate process in terms of the visibility it created, the portfolio of products we're working on, the anticipation for business impact that creates and so on. But looking at our effectiveness, keep coming back to that magic word, we said, you know what? You know, half of the process is really good because it gets to market on time, on cost, on spec. And that's basically the, the, the back half, the, you know, development, pre-production, qualification, launch. That part's pretty much, you know, trains run on time when we're in that phase. Where we think we could do better is the front half, which is kind of concepts, feasibility, ideation. And uh, we just felt like, you know, again, we had too many technical ideas, too many inside generated ideas that weren't really anchored in a market pull. So looking for a way to improve the front end of our innovation process, as we call it, innovation, branded innovation inside Parker. Dan Adams uh, in his new product blueprinting process, he's a Northeast Ohio person, just like we are. So we had a chance to spend some time with him and his team. His process made a lot of sense to us. You know, the, the, the segmentation to kind of down select to, uh, you know, the, the customer, the application, the jobs to be done that, that you're, you want to orient around. And then kind of the, the divergent process of talking to these customers to get a lot of the observations of possibilities, at least out there. Let's, let's get it all out there for uh, review and analysis. And then the convergence down select. Okay. These are the critical elements. And these are the things where these are the most important to you, yet you are least satisfied with your ability to get these done. And that becomes, that's the pull. And now it's a question of, okay, that's what we need to work on. That's why we need to work on it. Build that business case and now and now go into what we're really good at, development, pre-production, qualification. So th that was our journey. And, yeah. and uh, Dan was uh, a good partner to help us with that, with his process and tools. And then, as you know, uh, we worked with your team to help kind of create the the merging of that improved front end, if you will, into our stage gate process. So, so now we really like the way we've evolved it. Yeah. So you 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 really did evolve your decision making process, your governance Check. process, right? To make sure that those things were happening. And uh, yep. and just, yeah, just you know, a lot of it was good. Let's not you know if it and in some cases perhaps we even took a little bit of some of the burden out of the back end of the process because again good stage gate should should stay flexible you should have the ability to kind of dial the the the, uh, the the deliverables to meet the uh, the nature of the product you're developing the the risk that you're taking if you will so th that was another element of how we uh, evolved it let's let's make sure there's no unnecessary administrative burden so to speak in the software in the tools and that the teams understand yeah when when you can move quickly of course you want to move quickly if you are doing something a little more complicated or you know with a slightly higher stake in terms of commercial success then you're going to make sure you invest the time and rigor to 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 do it properly so that's all part of the uh, the game yeah Bill, when you layer on top of that corporate strategies, 
we don't have to talk about the Parker specific strategies, but things like digital, things like sustainability, uh, whatever those higher level strategies are, how do those then kind of lay on top of this framework that you were just talking about? They shape the, the nature of where we, on a, or where we want to orient. Uh, so, yeah, we as a company, um, electrification, clean technologies, you see, you know, you watch our press releases, you watch our shareholder updates, you see these things. And, and so, you know, it's one thing to say it, but then, you know, what happens, you know, within the company is, uh, you know, we then have the reviews to say, okay, where's the evidence of the resources being committed, uh, the, the, the projects being executed? And, and that's where our, our, our stage gate process is one of the tools by which we can document that. It's like, okay, we have the ability, we've built certain tags, if you will, into our data structure so that as the teams start these projects, they can indicate, yeah, this project is in support of this strategic initiative, this objective. And then with that simple transaction, we can then create the visibility to say, hey, we're not just talking the talk. You can, you know, you know we've got the visible indication of where we're walking the walk. And we can look at that broken out by region, by group, by division, by technology. It's uh, yeah, it's powerful. But it all starts with that notion of, you know, leadership lays out a path and then the process, the tools, the teams are, are meant to help guide us and, you know, create a velocity along that path. So if they're setting the direction, if you will, the rest of it is about the speed, you know, with direction and speed, that's a vector, you've got velocity. So that, that's kind of the philosophy that we keep working to. Yeah. When I, I listened to your, your CEO recently talk, and he talked about the win strategy, win strategy 2.0, win strategy 3.0. Were those these higher level uh, strategic directions you were talking about? In some respects, yes, uh, because they they do talk to things like uh, the, the profitable growth, the aspirations for some of the uh, how we engage and empower our employees, the operational impact and the financial performance that are critical when you're going to be a, a publicly traded company and, and be successful. So, yes, they absolutely create a framework and the process I'm responsible for, Winnovation, has uh, very specific goals and objectives that, that tie out you know, from the win strategy to our innovation. And now you know why we call it winnovation because it's <laughs> developed specifically to align to and support the win strategy. Right, right. So you've, you're, you've achieved this ability to have that alignment from the, from the top on down. You can, you can clearly, and the numbers prove it, I think, you know, you can show how your innovation is, is driving the, uh, the you know, it's part of the company. When, when your, yeah. your company talks about who you are, you want to be known as an innovative company for sure. It's interesting too, you know, because the other way to think of us is, you know, we're a very, we are a decentralized type of organization. We are a company that grew a lot by way of acquisition. So the win strategy is a, a framework on which to kind of orient this decentralized, you know, our, our division uh, general managers have a lot of autonomy. They, they have a lot of uh, flexibility, you know, freedom to, to operate within their market, within their product and technology space. So the win strategy is a way to help orchestrate alignment that the various corporate uh, strategic initiatives we announce are also a kind of, a, you know, provide a beacon by which to orient and navigate. 
so in the end, uh, the ability to kind of maneuver well at local level, yet tie it all together at corporate level, you see the evidence kind of in how the, the you know, how we're performing in, in the updates you're hearing from the CEO. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you think about that, I mean, how many countries you're in and, and, and all the differences in cultures and, and, uh, and going back to your winnovation process, how do you do that? How, do you, how, how have you found, are there techniques? What advice would you give somebody who's saying, you know, we've got this problem where every, every country needs to do its own thing and operate its own way, and they can't agree on what the gated process is. And uh, I think you've kind of lived through some of that and gotten to the other side of some of that. So local, global, just give us some thoughts on that. For It's one of those, you know, if, if all we do is talk about how we're different, we can never make any headway right? So you know what? I get it. We're different in so many respects. And, and sometimes the ways we're different really kind of makes it fun, makes it interesting. <laughs> Other times, perhaps uh, it's, it's, it's hard to create alignment. But our job, you know, because uh, you know, our job typically, though, is to say, look, without getting lost in the details of the differences, there, there are certain elements of commonality. There are certain elements of alignment whoever you're talking to, they tend to want to see their their society, their community be able to get better over time, better quality of life for, for uh, you know, the, their population and so on. So, you know, when you try to tie the, the, the things you're working on to the things that are not evaluated through like a, a political lens or a, uh, you know, some of those other, you know, somewhat distorting views but more, you know, you know, looking at the, uh, the the clear essentials of you know is it cleaner is it greener is it more cost effective uh, you know you know or more benign to the environment yet supportive of the human condition those are the things that's hard for people to argue with uh, so those are the things you, you try to to orient around and then kind of you know where you have to come up with the the methods to diminish uh, any impact there may have you know from the other factors obviously that you're 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 mentioning that you're thinking about. Right, right. And, and there's so much happening right now with different things around the world, different. I don't want to use the word insta, instabilities. That's not correct. But, you know, Corona, you know, Shanghai is now shut down, right? I mean, it's just completely sure. closed. It's like, wow, that's a major impact. You know, we've had, we've got the war in Ukraine. We've got, we've had, we've had so many things. We had supply chain disruption Any, you know, and you're sitting here trying to be innovative and you've got this portfolio of products. What, what kind of challenges are, are, are coming towards you because of the result of that? Maybe to think different or work different. You're right. One word that comes to mind is volatility. Yeah. There, there's plenty of that. <laughs> and um, yeah. and again, some of it comes down to, you know, some of it, it, cu it cuts both ways. You know, so supply chain disruption sometimes force us to consider, you know, is there an alternative to the status quo? And holy cow, uh, when's the last time I looked at the options? And, and maybe there's perhaps something, you know, it, it's time to consider in a fresh light. So, you know, it's not always downside. In, in some cases, the uh, the ability to assemble more quickly because we're working virtually. If I need a face-to-face -face meeting, it may take me three days to get people together. But I can assemble a virtual meeting in about uh, you know four and a half minutes if I'm lucky enough that people are actually ready or available. You know, so that could cut both ways. You know, sometimes I do need to get everyone together because we're going to gather around a piece of equipment. We're going to touch it. We're going to put wrenches to it and so on. Other cases, no, I need to brainstorm something. And uh, I, I can do that just, I can do that reasonably well through digital tools and the like. So you got to stay flexible. And 
you know, we, we've certainly had certain initiatives that we thought could move faster and, and had to kind of bide our time because certain factors were, were creating friction. We had other cases where, no, this is actually creating a pull. Additive manufacturing might be an example. When COVID first kicked in and there was a concern that, you know, are there enough uh, systems of certain natures in the right locations to support a, 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 a sickening population? we were able to apply some some tools and, and things to move very quickly and bring much needed relief. So, but again, it took a flexibility of mindset and, uh, you know, a quick assembly of talent uh, to, to kind of, you know, get some things in place and, and get it to not just get it working, but then get it to market and, and get it where it needed to be to help people. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's challenging, but like, you know, as the old, uh, saying goes, you know, every threat is kind of an opportunity in, in disguise. Every difficulty is somehow, you know, there, there's certainly possibilities in there, perhaps to, to you know, find a way to d turn it to a positive or at least make, uh, you know, make the best of it that you can. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very, very wise. I, I think, what, three years ago, the ability to just get a, a meeting together and like you said, four and a half minutes and be going with decision-making and talking and effective, not just a conference call like we used to have, but an effective meeting. We've all learned to do that now, right? It's almost second nature. Right. You know, and again, I think it'll be a hybrid. You know, here in my facility, I'm like, look, you know, there are certain things where we got to be here to <laughs> to do this together. Yeah. Uh, but there are other things where it's like, you know, suddenly, you know, there's a quick Teams chat pops up. Oh, let's see if we can grab so-and-so. And then, you know what, you know, 30, you know, you know, just a few seconds of, of quick cross check with each other makes that working session we're planning tomorrow morning about 10 times more effective because we're going to show up better aligned, better oriented on, you know, being able to jump right into it and work together. So I, I do think it'll, it'll kind of continue to be a hybrid and, and just more readily assemble people across different time zones, different geographical barriers, travel barriers. It's a fun and flexible. I, I like that word too, apparently. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a yeah. fun and flexible way to, to kind of bring the talent <laughs> to bear, uh, get the teams, uh, you know, working on, on the challenges. Right, right, right. And, and from, from my perspective, you know, one of the things we try to do in Sophion is really just make sure that, Companies have, you have your data, you have your single source of truth. I mean, we're just an enabler of that. It really comes from within your company getting there and being able to do that. But do you speak maybe to the importance of, of single source of truth and data as part of that? Do you see that as kind of like a foundational element? Yeah. Uh, that's why, you know, from our perspective, it's it's why it's so important to kind of, you know, create the right process and tools, you know, the, the, and that's what when we talk about innovation, it really is that repository of process and tools by which the teams are expected to engage. And that way it is the single source of truth. You know, there's a certain rigor and discipline required to, you know, create the information needed that you then populate the system with. Once that information's in the system, then it's a viable basis on which to execute our decision-making. If you don't have it in the system, if you will, you don't get credit for it. Uh, and it's, you know, we don't want to talk about things that, oh, yeah, this is amazing. It's great, but nobody can see it yet. You know, that's just not the way you want to run a, a, a highly successful and rapidly growing business. So 
the teams understand that. And uh, so that, that one source of truth, that one repository of here's everything worth talking about. And if it's not in there, why isn't it in there? How much longer do you think we're going to wait for, for you to get caught up to where you need to be? Again, not to make it sound ominous, but it is that expectation that, hey, we're professionals. So, you know, you know what you need to, you know, you know, you want authorization to move ahead. You know, we're going to ask you to, you know, meet certain thresholds of business reward to be able to proceed in that path, work with us, you know, you know, do your part and then we can do our part as leadership to make sure you get the resources and the time needed to execute. But it does keep coming back to, you know, that's, that's our source of truth. Our innovation database, if you will, is the customer engagements, the product definitions, the, uh, the financial plans, uh, the, the, ex the execution that's ongoing, the launches, the sales, that, that, that's, that's the beating heart of, you know, how effective are we as innovators? Yeah. And, and, and what about the history that's in here? You've been doing this for a long time. You must have quite a bit of historical knowledge in there as well. Is there an ability to tap that? Absolutely. Yeah. And we, yeah, we can look back several years now and kind of see, and, and again, sometimes it's interesting to kind of, you know, come up with a new question that hadn't occurred to you to ask before and then go back and review historical data with a, a different lens. Uh, so, yeah, that notion of big data and, and your own history having uh, indicators potentially to, you know, look at. Yeah, we're, we're very pleased with uh, kind of this. You know, the consistency of process has given us this now, you know, very powerful base of data from which to kind of continue to learn and build expectations. You know, for example, you know, when we look at, hey, how well do we sell after launch? Historically, you know, in the earliest days, you know, our, our hit ratio of uh, forecast to actuals w was challenged. Have we been getting better? Oh, yeah. Have we been able to, you know, check out our earlier situations to get a better sense of why they struggled and therefore a, a better handle on the problem we're solving. Well, yeah, that's one of the reasons we wanted to improve the front end of innovation in the first place. One of the driving factors to go after new product blueprinting, get that better out orientation on the customer ahead of development so that sales after launch was nothing but a happy story to tell. Yeah, so yeah, yeah it's yeah. yeah, it's all out there. It's in there, and and we make heavy use of it. Yeah, well, we're all in a journey somewhere. Uh, all of our <laughs> listeners on their ability to to do innovation, right? Some still are spreadsheets, and some are in systems. And but uh, thanks for sharing kind of that 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 longer term vision of what might be possible uh, when you when you get a good base of information like like you 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 obviously have. And there's no finish line, you know, is, is, you know, as much improvement as we've made, you know, it just whets our appetite because we see where, and we can do more, we can be better at this, we can be more relevant with that, you know, the, the nature of problems we're able to orient on now and, and tackle realistically continues to evolve. So, yeah, it, it's, it's a very rewarding kind of uh, venture to be uh, engaged in. So uh, I've always found this uh, a, a fun type of, uh, you know, aspect of the business to be involved in. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell from the way you, you're, you're, you're just uh, <laughs> talking about it. This is, this is uh, something special for you. Well, Bill, <laughs> where do you see, uh, you know, where do you see things going around the innovation, let's say, in, in five or, or ten years? Do you have any thoughts on kind of where it's headed? Is it just more faster or we got to do something else or? 
I think, again, certain tools and, and capabilities are, are, are starting to show up, if not tools, at least mindsets to say, how do you, you know, one of, one of the, one of the ways that innovation can really spring forward sometimes is when you take on, on non-obvious combinations of things and then say, hey, this technology that was proven over here, there's there's a way for me to be really clever and, and kind of repurpose it and bring it over to this other application and, and therefore get kind of a head start on, you know, it's not a technical risk so much as a, uh, a uh, you know, prove it in application type of approach. And I think that, you know, the, the better we get at having that awareness of what all the options are. So the digital, the, the increasingly digital world in which we live and the ability to, to have a line of sight to things that, you know, in, in previous generations, you might never know of. And yet now, uh, you know, with a, a more savvy population that's kind of grown up in a digital world and their ability to kind of see all kinds of things that may or may not be relevant, but then, you know, might foster that uncommon connection. And then, you know, bring that benefit across the line, if you will, from one. And again, these are just silos that probably don't even make sense, except that we've allowed them to develop in our heads. Right. Like, like now that you mention it, yeah, there's no good reason why I can't do that, you know, with that. Yeah. I just, it hadn't occurred to me. So that that's to me going to be uh, increasingly exciting, you know, that the, if we can exploit that broader visibility to be able to look at things that may have a relevance, just non-obvious or, or or with a little bit of improvement or adjustment can be made to, to, to work. That I think is what's going to be a really interesting phenomenon to try to watch for and guide as time goes forward. Well, it's, it's, it's pretty hard for me to, to ask a question that would top that. That was, that was really, <laughs> that, that that's a, going to be a mindset culture. It's going to be, it's going to be fun, I think. It's an exciting time. You know, uh, I, there's an old Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. <laughs> I think these times are interesting. Yet I, I also think they're really exciting. So yeah. again, but it's all about being able to kind of, with that all in mind, because the downside of that is, well, there's a lot of distraction. Yeah, that's true too. So yeah, where's that happy medium between looking at other stuff all the time and versus finding something relevant, immediately pulling it back to work on the project at hand. Hey, you know what? There's a, there's a balance to be found in there somewhere and together we'll figure it out. If there was nothing <laughs> to do, it wouldn't be fun. Now we've got challenges. Got to have something left to work on. So <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. uh, that'll probably be it. Yeah. <laughs> well, great, Bill. I really enjoyed, uh, enjoyed talking to you. I, that's, this was a real thrill. I, I, uh, I thank you so much for, for sharing for our listeners some of your experiences and, and, and perspectives and thoughts. I think there's, there's, a, there's a lot to be uh, learned from, from some of the things you've said. And really, I don't know if there's any last parting comment you wanted to make before we, we close this up? Or? No, I would just say thank you for, uh, A, as you mentioned, we've known each Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com.